Let us worship God.
uh, reading this morning comes from James, chapter 3, verses 13 through chapter 4, verse 3, and then 7 to 8. I encourage you to read the whole thing and see what's left out and uh, maybe wonder a little bit about why those things are left out of the reading this morning. Um, I always find it interesting when we leave things out of the lectionary. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder, and you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded
It's good to be here. Uh, a little weird, but good. Uh, I gotta say, this it's the first time uh, I have physically been in a church uh, in the last year and a half. So, uh, thanks for this opportunity. Uh, I, I don't know about you, uh, but I've been noticing lately that the season uh, is changing from summer into autumn. Uh, when we first moved to the Bay Area from Ohio 21 years ago, Annie and I were somewhat baffled by the comparatively subtle difference between the seasons here. Where both of us grew up, the seasons seemed more distinct, I think because we were more accustomed to the cues, both visual and experiential, the colorful trees and the cool, crisp air that started to whip up as summer waned. We knew that fall was arriving without even having to hear about the arrival of pumpkin spice everything or seeing Halloween decorations because the trees told us, the wind told us. The birds told us as they ended their summer visit and headed south for warmer weather. It's a little bit different here. The shifts in seasons are not quite as striking, but this past week, this past week I've been very aware of the earlier darkness in the evenings. Maybe you've noticed this as well. The light used to stay later even just a few weeks ago, it seems. This is a pretty good indicator of the change of seasons, something you can see and experience for yourself. It's pretty consistent and unaffected by the environment. The journey of the earth around the sun is well outside of the realm of human influence. Some things are just easy to see. I really like the book of James. Uh, if you haven't read it in its entirety, I highly recommend it. It's just five short chapters. And in those short chapters, James offers a scathing critique and admonition of the burgeoning Christian community facing the divisive issues of wealth, inequality, slander, greed, temptation, and envy. Ooh, so exciting. James comes across as angry and urgent, insistent. I think that's why I like him so much. He reminds me of a time in my own life when I felt angry and spoke out angrily about the way the world is. For a time, when I was working as a chaplain with the street community in San Rafael, I carried a righteous anger with me everywhere I went. My ministry was spending time with people on the margins and on the margins of those margins. And I watched people destroy their lives. I watched them destroy each other's lives. I watched them get crushed under the weight of the world, betrayed by a system that professed wanting to help, but ultimately couldn't eliminate poverty and homelessness while simultaneously creating it. I spent time with people in their darkest moments and in their fleeting moments of joy. I cultivated community with them in ways that none of us had 
experienced before. Churches would invite me to preach and talk about my ministry, and after the service, congregants would pat me on the back and tell me how glad they were that I was out there doing such good work. They would tell me how they could never imagine spending time with those people. So yeah, I was angry, because every one of those churches claimed, still claims, to follow Jesus. We read the same Bible, but they couldn't imagine doing what I was doing. Wow, just writing these few sentences about it, I can feel that old familiar feeling of righteous anger, the power, the loneliness that comes with it, the desire to convert and convince, the need to demand more of everyone else. It was a particular time, and I read James frequently during that time. I read it to justify my feelings toward the ones I felt were hypocrites, and my anger leaked out all over the place in those sermons with the people I cared about, the people I cared for, the potential supporters who I thought could do more. And then I took a unit of clinical pastoral education with Lori Garrett-Cabina, who challenged me to consider different possibilities. But Lori didn't condemn my anger. She wasn't scared by it. She related with it. She saw that it arose from a natural place. It was valid. I was angry about things that were worth being angry about. She and my peers in that CPE group held my anger with me in a way that made it feel less lonely. The CPE process invited and encouraged me to find new and different ways of putting my anger to work for me. I had become envious of the ways in which everyone else could be insulated from the realities of homelessness and poverty just by choosing not to look at it. I became envious of their ability to do nothing about it and still be okay. I mean, I was doing something, and I didn't feel okay. I remember sitting in a restaurant one winter during a rainstorm and having this really strong urge to get up on my table and yell at everybody there. Don't you know? Don't you know that there are people sleeping outside in this? What are you doing to help them? This is how envy functions. If I can't have what you have, then nobody should have it. Or as Frederick Buechner says, envy is the consuming desire to have everyone else be as unsuccessful as you are. I might change the word unsuccessful to miserable. I also learned to recognize this in myself as a result of trauma exposure, compassion fatigue. It was only with the help of community, the people around me holding my feelings gently with me, that I was able to work through it. And in the CPE process that I now teach, 
I learned to understand how the arising of my feelings relates to the world around me. The events of the world near and far, these things that I have no control over, give rise to feelings inside of me. And my expression of those feelings, my use of the, those emotions, these things that I can control, shapes the world around me. As surely as the earth revolves around the sun, I will feel things. This is what is difficult for me about preaching on James. I feel like he says everything pretty perfectly already. And I can see in my own life and ministry the ways in which I've fallen into the very traps that he identifies, even while imagining myself outside of them. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and you do not have it, so you commit murder and you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts you have, you do not have, because you do not ask. Reading this, I'm inclined to relate it to other people. And I'm sure that we could all think of people in our lives and in the wider world who really need to hear this word. But then as I reflect on my own behavior, how I give up control of myself to my emotions, I know that I do not always practice this kind of wisdom. I know that I am not always peaceable or gentle, certainly not always willing to yield. I've absolutely been partial and hypocritical, and I've definitely created conflicts and disputes because of the warring cravings inside of me. Ultimately, though, if I can pay attention and notice these things as they come up, I can make adjustments to how I respond. My activity in the world out here is evidence of what I am cultivating in my inner world in here. I bet many of you probably know the song that goes, uh, and they'll know that we are Christians by our love. We're known by what we do. We are known by how we act in relationship with other people. James is uh, well known, infamous really, for his position on works. In chapter 1, he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He follows up on this concept in our passage this morning. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness and born of wisdom. This gets taken up in the faith versus works debate that has shaped so much of Christian theology, so much of white male Christian theology. And for some reason, this debate has been an either-or debate, and I think that's because 
this binary way of thinking is what the patriarchy is based on. There are definitely other ways of looking at this than through the lens of an either-or binary. James himself falls into this binary frequently, and so do I, quite frankly, but wisdom is knowing that there is more than this or that. In my experience, faith can lead to works, which can lead to an increase in faith, which can lead to more good work, and on and on and on. In CPE, we practice this kind of reflective process, doing our own work, examining our feelings and motivations to better understand why we work the way we do. And it is a practice, which means it is always in process, and everyone is in a different place in that process, and we need to relate with others because that is the process. We need each other to hold our very strong, very valid feelings with together. This is why mercy and peacemaking, gentleness and a willingness to yield to others, to hear them out, is so necessary. Things are kind of polarized right now. You don't need me to tell you that. There's an abundance of knowledge and a lack of wisdom. All you have to do is scroll through Facebook or watch the news to realize that. 14th century theologian and mystic Meister Eckhart said, Knowledge always deceives. It always limits the truth. Every concept and image does that. So it's a good thing that faith is beyond knowing. Faith is beyond concepts and images. When you pay attention, you can notice it, though, in yourself and in others. Can't you? The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Can you tell when someone dwells inside of this wisdom, even if and when it's imperfectly lived out? And when you experience it in someone, does it help you to notice this wisdom growing within you? Does it make you want to dwell inside of it with them and to share it with everyone around you? Peaceable gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, even if for a fleeting moment, to connect with others in faith, to work with each other in wisdom, and they'll know that we're Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we're Christians by our love. As surely as the earth goes around the sun. Amen.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
Let us pray. Eternal Spirit, living God in whom we live and move and have our being, all that we are, have been, and shall be is known to you, to the very secret of our hearts and all that rises to trouble us. Living flame, burn into us. Cleansing wind, blow through us. Fountain of water, well up within us, that we may love and praise in deed and in truth. Amen. And now, may the grace of God, the good works of Jesus Christ, and that sweet fellowship and faith of the Holy Spirit be with you now and every day forward. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.